1: Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson, 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 ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson, vill läsa bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson! Yes!
2: Welcome everybody to another episode of the Keeping Carls and Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the longest running fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys, one of whom is right in the middle of a semifinals matchup in Cacupville that couldn't be closer and I have no idea how I'm going to even go through this show, Brian. It's all on you to carry this thing. I'm your host, Elon Dubrowski. With me, the person who's going to be carrying me all night long, Brian, come!
0: Well, Elon's going to be me, and Mika Zibanejad has already done a lot of the heavy lifting for you tonight with an early hat trick. Like, not a late one. A late one would be like, oh, okay, like, too little, too late. But it set you up in a position to hope that you might, just might, be able to uh, catch Ben, who you were back behind, you're you're behind him 50 points, I think it was Friday, and you were like throwing in the towel, and I was like, Elon, like, I see a path to victory for you, or at least for competition, and here we are, so I hope you can stay focused on helping everybody else win their matchups as we head towards the final week's. Of this fantasy hockey season, uh, but I wish you the best over the course of the show. And if anybody notices wild mood swings in Elon's <laughs> voice, like if the tone doesn't match the content, just know that there is some very heavy stuff happening in the background of this entire episode.
2: <laughs> well, I'll just tell you, I need Zibana Jad like some more points. I definitely won't complain. I have Wade Allison for some stupid reason. I picked him up on Philly because I saw he was on the top power play. That yeah, was that a was useless weird. ad. Should have added someone else there. And then didn't I've ask got. Me. Well, whatever. Okay. I don't know. It was a thought. He was a backup bid and I ended up getting him. Then I have Seth Jones and Eric Cernak in this Columbus Tampa game. It's two to one Columbus after a period. No points for Jones or Cernak. Let's go, guys. So, okay. We'll see. And then Ben is a whole bunch of people. He's probably going to win. Anyway, no one cares about that. They care more about us, like you said, trying to help them. And so we have got a whole document here of research that we've done that we're going to be presenting to you on this show. So I hope you enjoy our TED talk. Before we get to it, we will, of course, mention that we are presented by DauberHockey.com, the number one fantasy hockey website in the world. It's just the place you need to be if you want to try to win. You're, you're probably in the finals against someone else who knows what they're doing. So take any edge you can. Read the articles every day. Use the tools at Frozen Tools. And I think that might just give you what you need. So that's DauberHockey.com. Plus they present this uh, fine podcast. Uh, but okay, Brian, so let's get into it. We're trying to help people. A lot of people are going to their finals next week if they're so lucky. And uh, number one, I would say, is look at the schedule. So before I even get to our content, I'll just say, uh, if you are going to your finals, check because next week is a weird week, right? First of all, Saturday, like, every team is playing except for one. There's 15 games. So that means you're going to have a lot of people on your bench that day. Uh, Brian, you and I are in a joint league where we have a bunch of people on our bench also on Tuesday and Thursday. And then we have openings on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So, like, a smart fantasy player right away is going to know, all right, figure out who I'm benching on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. The person who's going to get no games from me all week. For us, it's probably Colin Blackwell. So, like, obviously drop that person for someone who's playing Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And there's a few teams out there. There's Anaheim. There's Arizona, Arizona. There's LA. There is, I'm just looking at it, Winnipeg. Okay. So like uh, San Jose, Colorado. So obviously you have to be smart and we actually have a podcast to recommend to you if you want help trying to figure out who has a strong schedule and who I should consider. And that's the Stream Scheme hosted by Dave Betten. And we really like that show and yeah, definitely check it out. KeepinCarls.com slash Stream Scheme.
0: Also, linked to in the show notes for your extreme convenience. You really don't want to miss it this week. It is really just how to game the schedule. Elon uses it as a tool, and he's this master fantasy hockey strategist, which I told him before (laughs) the show. I was going to wiggle in naming him that. I think, Elon, you are a master strategist. So you mentioned what you were already looking at with Colin Blackwell, and playing the schedule is a huge, huge part of the game. So We'll also make sure to mention players' schedules uh, for the guys we're mentioning on this week's show. But enough talking about what we're going to do. How about we go ahead and do it?
2: Yeah, I'll even mention, actually, the person that we're targeting right now, and this is a super deep league, so if we drop Colin Blackwell, hopefully Webstar isn't listening to this. Well, actually, he's out of moves for the week, so I don't think we have to worry about it. But uh, right now, the person that I'm looking at is Andreas Athanasiu over on LA. So this is not someone that we uh, plan to talk about on this week's episode, but Athanasiu was apparently playing on the top line with Kopitar and Ayafalo in the last game for at least part of the game. And LA plays Anaheim, who, this is not the Anaheim of old, where like, oh, John Gibson's pretty good, they're not going to let in too many goals. This is the Anaheim that lets in a ton of goals, every single game. So I think if you're looking at like an eye follow, you know, if you're in a deeper league, grab your aya follows and your Athanasius. I think that's your best bet. Unless obviously it's a shallower league and obviously if you grab someone good on Colorado, that's a whole other story. But uh, that's where I'm, we're looking. But okay, Brian, let's get to our documented plan for the episode. Here's our plan. We're going to go through some injuries and outjuries that have happened over the past week and what impacts there are there. And then we're going to go f- over some hot streaks. And then if we have time, we did that draft last week of players that we're looking at for these next couple of weeks. So this past week and the week coming up so we could just take a look at how it's going between me, you, and Jeremy, who's been a hit, who's been a miss, who we're uh, excited about for next week and who we think was you know a whiff and maybe we shouldn't have made those picks and hopefully all this will help people win their leagues so okay we're gonna start out with these injuries and outjuries and let's start in Toronto okay so obviously the short shifts guys Ben and Lewis have already discussed this but Zach Hyman is out uh still expect to be out another week with a sprained MCL but Toronto isn't reeling as bad as maybe they would be normally because they got a new player in to take Hyman's place in Nick Felino, who they acquired in that trade from Columbus and Foligno had to quarantine and all of that but he's arrived to the lease two games so far two Two assists, so pretty good. And he's jumped right up to the top line with Matthews and Marner, the best space you can be. Uh, that has left Galchenyuk to play with Tavares and Nilander, which isn't too bad, but obviously not as good as playing with Matthews and Marner, though Tavares has had himself quite a week. Uh, so Felino, 34% rostered on Yahoo!, to me like it seems like an awesome Wednesday ad like so next week Toronto plays Wednesday Thursday Saturday so obviously if you have to jump on him now just to make sure you get him then sure do that but if you could somehow wait till Wednesday and if Felino's out there I feel like, though it must be like I don't know inactive leagues or really shallow leagues like how could you not want Felino? I know Lewis was a little bit like lukewarm on him but maybe that was before him getting points in a couple of games I feel, feel like if you're playing with Matthews and Marner just come on you're gonna want Felino, especially if your league counts hits by the way because he's helping you there Brian here's a random question for you to get this started i couldn't think of like a good like is felino worth adding obviously it's worth adding right but uh there's another felino brother in the league who's actually doing pretty well right now marcus felino who's on a nice run with the minnesota wild he's got four points in his last five games a quite 55 point pace on the season so brian if you were going to pick up one player for next week and it has to be a felino which one would you go with
0: Okay, well, let's look at Nick first, who has this limited sample as a Toronto Maple Leaf. Uh, In that limited sample, he's seeing less ice time, which was to be expected, and fewer shots on goal, according to his rate stats. That said, I don't really care much about any of that if Felino is playing with Matthews and Marner. I feel like he could actually be a pretty good natural stand-in for Zach Hyman. I don't think Felino is quite as quick or, you know, is obviously up to the standard that Hyman is set for being in step with Matthews and Marner and knowing how to play with them. But essentially, I don't care too much about all that because Felino is still getting great exposure to Matthews and Marner. So if you're wondering where to stand on Nick Felino, I'd be as into chasing him as I would have been chasing someone like Alex Galchenyuk, who, by the way, sidebar, has one goal and no assists in his last eight games, despite terrific deployment.
2: Yeah, Brian, uh, I'm su- honestly, it's like, by saying that, it sounds like you're not interested in Felino, right? Because even when Galchenyuk was in a good yeah. spot, I was like, whatever, he's Alex Galchenyuk. I feel like Felino has higher upside. I'm interested in this.
0: So I, the comparison I'm trying to draw here is that if you were into like if you're wondering how into Nick Felino you should be, you should you can answer that question by saying, did I ever care about Alex Galchenyuk? and you're saying Elan that you like him a bit more than Galchenyuk. I think I think that's fair to like him maybe a smidge more. But not a ton. And this is after, you know, Galchenyuk. The Leafs rebuilt him. They fixed him. They rewired him. And still just one point in his last eight games. So that's where I stand on Nick Felino being somebody who could or still might not do anything, even with such great exposure. As for Marcus, his brother, this guy is not slowing down. Somehow, Marcus Felino has 16 points in his last 18 games, and that includes a break during which Marcus was injured. In those 18 games, uh, Marcus has only taken 16 shots and has 7 goals. That's a 44% shooting percentage. And his teammates and he are shooting 15% at 5-on-5. So obviously none of that is sustainable. And there's also nothing special in Marcus's deployment alongside Joel Erickson-Eck and Jordan Greenway. He's just a guy grinding his way to some fortunate bounces in my opinion. So I am wondering, okay, who is more likely to continue grinding their way of the Felino brothers to more fortunate bounces? I would go Nick. The only reason I would go Marcus is that his hits have picked up something fierce since returning back from injury. Like maybe he was playing a little hurt and wasn't taking the body as much. But Marcus Foligno now has four or more hits in five of his last seven games. So if your league counts hits, I think I might actually lean Marcus Foligno, since I expect both brothers to have about an equal chance of hitting the score sheet any given night, but for points, I'll give Nick the edge, and for peripherals, I'll give Marcus the edge.
2: Yeah, I could see it being even. Like, Marcus, yeah, he just somehow keeps on putting up points. Obviously, Minnesota is a good team. I guess you could look at their competition this week. And you've got Toronto playing Montreal and then Vancouver twice. And Minnesota is playing St. Louis three times. And St. Louis has not been good at stopping goals lately. And St. Louis might be down two defensemen. Both Pareko and Vince Dunn were injured recently, which we'll get to in just a sec. So maybe that would be another reason to lean Marcus. We have probably a coin flip. So take a look. Search on Yahoo for Felino, And if you see either of those guys as free agents, you might want to consider adding that on Wednesday or earlier. Uh, though, speaking of the fact that the Leafs don't play till Wednesday, I guess the other way to look at it is that if you have any Leafs, you might want to consider dropping them and getting like, there's some things that play Monday and Tuesday, so if you could pull a fast one, drop someone, get a Monday-Tuesday game, and then like, re-add the Leaf on Wednesday, you know, something to consider. Brian, this is the strategist in me, I guess. And one player that I want to know if you would go through this gambit with is Morgan Riley, because he's super cold right now. He's pointless in five, and I don't no, like he's in a good spot he's on the top power play like i don't see I, that's why i guess why i'm asking you like why is this guy cold and like is he someone that you would run that gambit with where you drop him see if you could get him back on wednesday and if you don't get him back maybe no big deal because he's not getting points anyway
0: I'm actually gonna leave. I'm gonna tell you my my analyst with my analyst hat on what I think of that, which is that's totally insane. And then I want you to come back with your strategist hat and tell me would would you actually do this? My advice is please do not drop Morgan Riley just because he doesn't play till Wednesday. That's not even that long to wait. We have weeks- okay,
2: but yeah, but I want to know like when. Well, why is he yeah. pointless in five?
0: Okay, I I'm gonna get to that. I'm just I I'm trying to even figure out the starting point. This idea is blowing my mind just that much. I, uh, like unless you have. A bunch of other 50 point defensemen, 50 plus point defensemen to choose from in free agency that have upside to go on a nasty tear because they quarterback one of the most dangerous power plays in the league. You really shouldn't even be considering this idea, in my opinion. Uh, Morgan Riley had a five game pointless streak to begin the year, and that was painful. And this is painful, but between those two pointless streaks, Riley has barely gone back-to-back games without a point and almost has never gone three straight games without a point. So this is an aberration. This is something you would be really overreacting to if there's any risk that you're going to not be able to add Morgan Riley back into your lineup. So yeah, I would definitely hazard against doing this. I don't think anything significant has changed with Morgan Riley. This is just five pointless games It happens. The points should still come back the same way we've expected them to come from him all season long.
2: Okay, so you're saying that you're not seeing anything in the underlying numbers to indicate that there's something actually wrong with him. This isn't like when Couture was cold and then you were like, oh, he might actually be injured because I'm seeing a lot of reasons why he's not getting points. This is just like Morgan Riley's random cold streak expecting to do well. Yeah, I mean, because yeah, I would be thinking, sure, you could grab like a Jamie Oleksiak (laughs) or something from Dallas, get a Monday, Tuesday, get two extra games, and then, you know, whoever you add for this uh, Wednesday, Friday. Anyways, you're saying Riley's going to be fine, so okay. just wanted to ask, and you've answered that you're not seeing any Would problems you do with Morgan it? Riley. I'd probably not. I don't know. It depends on my situation. It depends on how many ads I have because you have to use an ad to pull this gambit as opposed to just holding on to Morgan Riley. And I'd have to like plan out my whole week. At the end of the day, if I could swap out, let's say Riley. Okay, Brian, here's the strategist. Okay, if, if let's say Riley's averaging four points per game in my format okay unless i can add a defenseman for monday tuesday who's getting two points a game like half as good and then if i don't get riley back on wednesday i could get someone who gets like three points a game you know like someone like not as good if that might that math still might work out where i end up with more total points if this is the last week of the season i don't have to worry about having riley the following week it might be smart to give up these games but of course maybe there's someone else you could just drop to get those monday tuesday games maybe you don't have to drop morgan riley there's a lot that goes into it i just wanted to know what's wrong with morgan riley you're saying nothing so fine let's move on to another injury a season-ending injury on detroit dylan larkin out for the season with an upper body injury looks like valtteri filpula was holding top line duty on saturday with mr four goal jacob Verana and philip zadina uh in that crazy 2-1 loss where bernier made 50 saves so i guess i'm just gonna throw this out i know what the answer is like i'm gonna say that you're gonna say that philpula remains completely uninteresting to you regardless of his deployment right
0: Absolutely. Uh, there's no way that I'm interested in Voltaire Filippula, who I would honestly forgive you for not knowing is still in the league. It's kind of unfortunate that Dylan Larkin is out. I mean, he wasn't producing so well. But since coming back from his last time that he missed four games at the end of February and early March, he's actually been on a decent run, like not, not not close to point per game, but just above a half point per game and healthy shot totals to boot. So I was really happy with what I was seeing from him. So it's a bummer that his season is over. Valtteri Filipula, 36 years old, hasn't been relevant since he was 30 years old. Elon, can you remember the team that Valtteri Filipula was playing for the last time he was fantasy relevant? Hmm, I'm
2: thinking and, Tampa I'm s- Bay.
0: Yeah, good for you. Bonus points if you can name his line
2: mates. Uh, I don't know. Uh, Martin St. Louis.
0: (laughs) No, no, it wasn't that long ago. He was on the top line with Steven Stamkos and Ryan Callahan. This is in 2014-15, and he barely was a half point per game player. So really stretching the definition of fantasy relevance here. Uh, That was actually the same year that the triplets broke out. Johnson, Paladin, Kucherov back in 2014-15. So all this to say is that it's been a long time since Valtteri Philpula has been able to do anything for your fantasy team. And on this Detroit team, I don't expect that to change. Uh, While we're talking about him, Elon, a fun Philpula fact that I found while I was doing research on him for the show, he was a minus 42 last year. In 70 games, like not even a full season, although that was only second worst on Detroit. Andreas Athanasiu was a minus 45 in 46 games playing for the Red Wings and now I just I had this compulsion to go through all the worst plus minuses in recent history. Uh, those definitely rank up there. I didn't I didn't go down that rabbit hole, but maybe one day, maybe in a patron cast we can talk about it.
2: Yeah, the worst plus minuses of all time. Just goes to show that that's a really silly fantasy stat because obviously now is on LA and he's not going to have as bad of a plus minus. So is it really a judge of the player or are you just like picking players that happen to be on teams that let in fewer goals? Anyway, okay, so obviously I knew that you wouldn't be interested in Phil regard Even if he's playing probably with Matthews and Marner, you'd be like, yeah, probably not. I, I don't know. I'd rather have Marcus Foligno, but uh, I guess one guy on Detroit that could potentially take that spot and maybe be interesting. I'll see what you say. Is apparently uh, the Red Wings 2018 30th overall pick Joe Valeno He might be getting in the lineup this coming week, and you'd imagine that he could. If he gets in the lineup, he might have a shot to crack the top six, maybe even play with Verana and Zadina. Which, by the way, I guess like being on the top line in Detroit isn't even that exciting, right? There's no Mantha, there's no Larkin, so Verana's obviously good. He had that huge game, and then Zadina, I guess, isn't a slush, but like maybe I should just be asking if Zadina's even fantasy relevant before we start talking about the guy centering them but I did want to bring up Valeno uh so according to coach Blashill he's like still not clear to play I guess he's getting over an injury but he might be in as early as Tuesday so he could be in next week any interest in this guy like either for next week or like just in a more deeper context like normally a pick at the end of the first round is not too exciting in fantasy but I've heard his name come up a few times I want to get your thoughts on Valeno
0: Okay. Yeah, sure. So Joe Valeno, first round pick, 30th overall in 2018. Detroit actually grabbed him with Vegas's first round pick, which they got in return for Tomasz Tatar, that was one of the one of the the king's ransom of picks that Tomasz Tatar returned and has since become untradeable somehow. Uh, anyway, Joe Voleno uh, out of Quebec, he had 20 points in 46 games in the Swedish Hockey League this year with Malmo as a 20 year old. So he ranked fourth on his team in points, uh, but he was behind some 27 and 28 year olds. So not really bad for someone who was playing their second pro season and their. first-year-old Really, with probably the most mature competition. I, I don't know if the Swedish Hockey League is harder per se than the AHL, where Valeno had similar numbers 23 points in 54 games with Grand Rapids back in 2019 20. But your point about Zadina is pretty salient, right? Like, we're not expecting a whole lot from someone like Philip Zadina, who's had time to play and acclimate to the NHL and has had opportunities, but is sort of Uh, just on Detroit right now, I think is the way to summarize his fantasy output. So I'm not going to go too hard on getting excited about Valeno, but I am happy that we're going to, before the end of this season, see what Valeno can show us in his first NHL action so we can start maybe coming up with ideas for what to expect down the road.
2: Yeah, because they could definitely use a uh, second line center, considering right now they're you know, leaning on Valtteri Filppula with Larkin out. By the way, next week, uh, the reason why it's worth it, trust me, it's worth it for us to be talking so much about the Red Wings. Why are we even talking about this team that has no fantasy relevance? Next Sunday, there's only one game, and it's Detroit versus Tampa. So if that's your fantasy finals, and you have moves left come Sunday morning, you're going to be dropping like all your players for any Detroit or Tampa player. So you might be actually looking at a Joe Valeno or a Valtteri Filppula, depending how deep your league So worth keeping an eye on the Red Wings. And since we're talking about the Red Wings, let's talk about a former Red Wing who is now injured. in Petr Mrazek, he's been nursing a lower body injury, missed the last couple of games. For the Hurricanes, in his stead, Alex Nedeljkovic has played three games in a row now. And after putting up four straight gems, he finally showed that he's human. He led in four goals on 36 shots in the 4-3 overtime loss to the Panthers on Saturday. Uh, so for next week, Carolina goes Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and then Saturday. So there's a decent chance that Ned gets in the nets at least a couple of times. And also another reason that a uh, patron shared. That was really interesting. Was Pierre LeBrun tweeted that the Canes have an interesting situation where they are incentivized to play Nijelkovic because if he plays, I think three more starts this season, then his free agency status will switch from UFA to RFA. So obviously, why wouldn't the Canes like? And also, just Nijelkovic seems like their best option. Like they've been playing him over Reimer, not just because of this contract thing, but I'm sure it doesn't hurt. So all that to say, assuming Morazic is hurt, you might be getting a lot of games from Nijelkovic, two or three at the you know at least two, I'd say at the minimum, maybe even three. So what? what? What do you think about this guy? And also looking big picture, assuming Mrazik is healthy come the playoffs, I'd be curious to get your take right now on who's going to get the net to start the playoffs for the Canes. Like uh, Mrazik and Reimer, they're both unrestricted free agents after the season. I wonder if that plays into the decision at all or not.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting the way the Hurricanes have handled their goalies. And I'll get to that more in just a minute. But first, poor Petr Mrazek. Uh, he just came back. I remember how careful the Hurricanes were being about bringing him back. We're not going to bring him back just e- even a moment before he needs to. We want to make sure this broken thumb is perfectly healed and he's not at any risk of getting re-injured. And now, assuming that we categorize a thumb as being on the upper body, Mrazek has this other lower body injury that all of a sudden has come up, which is really unfortunate for him in the Hurricanes, But fortunately, Alex Ndelkovich has been very good this year. He actually leads the league in five-on-five Delta Fenwick save percentage amongst goalies who've seen at least about 20 games. And he leads the league in that uh, category by a tidy margin, too. He's outplaying playing his expected Fenwick save percentage by 18 points. So he's expected to put up a 943 save percentage at 5-on-5, a Fenwick save percentage, but he's actually putting up a 961. Uh, For contrast, UC Staros and Andre Vasilevsky are behind him at about 13 points above their expected save percentages. And then you've got Marc-Andre Fleury, Chris Drieger, and Thatcher Demko are the only other goalies in the league playing 10 or more points above their expected save percentage, which is just wild, right? Like, what a weird list of players to be mentioning here. Nedeljkovic, Saros, Vasilevsky, Flory, Driedger, and Demko. If you told me that those would be, like, the seven best goalies in the NHL, you could have made millions, right, making a bet on that. Mirazic has actually been even better, but in a very small sample, of course, because of all the time he's missed due to injury. And as far as Nedeljkovic is doing this well, I see no reason to play James Reimer instead unless he's needed. Uh, Nedeljkovic and Morozik could share the net, but if I'm Rod Brindamore uh, in the playoffs, I don't want Reimer starting every other night. So in case Murazik is unhealthy, I want to use my time now to see what kind of load Nadalkovic can withstand, both for the playoffs this year and for the future. And it's funny to be talking about Ned's future in Carolina, because here's a reminder that on January 12th, 2021, that's just three months ago, the entire league chose not to put in a claim on Nedeljkovic when Carolina put him on waivers. And they put him on waivers because they claimed Anton Forsberg now of the Ottawa Senators. So all 31 teams were like, we don't have room for Alex Nedeljkovic on our rosters. And here he is playing like one of the best goalies in the league.
2: I mean, it just goes to show no one knows what they're doing with these goalies. You're just hoping for the best. Who thought Dustin Tokarski would go on the run? He was on, though. Obviously, uh, Mika Zibanejad has made Tokarski come a bit to earth today. Uh, All right. So next up, let's do some more injuries here. I mentioned on St. Louis, Colton Paréko and Vincent both injured in Saturday's 5-3 win for the Blues over Colorado. Uh, Who knows? These injuries, like they might be back by next week. We haven't got an update yet on them. Tori Krug, of course, took all the power play time and ice he could handle. He was going to get it anyways. Got a couple assists in that game. Uh, But if these guys are out to start next week's Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Saturday set of games. Uh, Brian, I wonder if you'd be interested in someone like a Justin Falk, as someone like with potential to do something. Like, yeah, he's been quiet recently. He had a decent start to the season, right? Eight points in 15 games, ice cold lately, pointless in five, just like uh, Morgan Riley. But sometimes, I guess the really hard, like the easy thing to do in fantasy, right, is just take the player who's hot. Then, you know, we could look into deployment and all things like that. I guess the toughest calls are like, do you add a player who's been doing nothing just just because you see a potential deployment change. I'm throwing this to you. Justin Falk, if Pareko and Dunn are hurt, does that mean Falk is someone that could finally take advantage and do something this week?
0: Of course it means he could. Will he? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I almost see Justin Falk as another Justin that you like to bring up a lot. And that's Justin Schultz, who is capable, uh, but often cold and can get streaky in the right situations even without perfect deployment. So here's a situation where Justin Falk, who hasn't even been seeing second power play unit time, might just uh, by default get some time with the man advantage. And we've seen like Mike Hoffman doing well on that second unit. So maybe there's a way that Justin Falk can get in on some of that action. The one reason that I would just Tell You to stay away entirely from Justin Falk because we used to say at least he'll get you shots. That has not been the case during his g- career with the Blues so far. There was some daylight early in the season in his first bunch of games. Yeah, remember, he had an eight shot game and he had four and five shots a few times, but over his last like five or six, it's zeros, ones, and twos for the most part in the shots column for Justin Falk, which is not uh really inspiring thing but of course now he is going to be in the lineup and Vince Dunn won't be and Colton Pareko won't be so if someone needs to shoot from the blue line there's a higher chance it's going to be him all this to say I would weigh Justin Falk like I would a Justin Schultz in this situation if you've got if you need to throw in a defenseman into your roster you could do worse but also don't get your expectations up too high
2: right yeah I think that's exactly it like someone maybe to move a little bit higher on your watch list if those guys are injured but at the end of the day he's Justin Falk he's been disappointing us ever since we started keeping Carlson a long time ago when he was on the top power play in Carolina and still never did anything Uh, okay so lots of points to go around on Saturday for the Blues Ryan O'Reilly put up that big three goal one assist stat line playing with Shen and Kairu Shen had a couple of assists himself, and then there's a lot of streamer level guys that were getting points in that last game and like I said uh, St. Louis has a pretty nice schedule next week so I want to just throw some names at you first of all you mentioned my kaufman he scored on saturday he's on a great run five goals and two assists in his last five games he was like quiet for so long but he's really heating up now which is great for the blues right they're hoping that he can help him down the stretch then you know guys who are even more likely to be in your free agent pools tyler bozak had an assist on saturday bringing him to eight points in his last six games for tyler bozak remember when bozak used to get a bunch of points on the leafs uh centering phil kessel And we would talk about it on the show and you would always be like, ah, Tyler Bozak's no good. Like, I I remember you were a big Bozak non-believer and you obviously turned out to be right because after uh, Kessel left, that was the last time we pretty much talked about Tyler Bozak until now because he's on this great hot run going into potentially a finals week uh, with a good schedule. Then you also got Sammy Blay, who you've brought up in the past. He has six points in the last seven games after an assist on Saturday. So yeah, which of these blues... If any, do you have any interest in, you know, in our, Brian, in our deep league where we're looking at Andreas Athanasiu, should we instead be looking at like a Bozak or Blay as maybe someone with more potential to get points?
0: None of these guys, as you predicted, thrill me, Elon. I think I would lean if I had to choose from the group towards Mike Hoffman, who has five goals on 14 shots, uh, which obviously is is a high conversion rate, but three of those five goals came on the power play, as I just mentioned. So actually that's okay. Uh, but of course the downside is Mike Hoffman is still just getting mid six minutes. Then you have Tyler Bozak who's on this run playing with Jaden Schwartz and Vladimir Tarasenko, which is really interesting but as you also mentioned he's not someone you can get to uh get you you want to get rely on too much to help you and then sammy alundra blay uh, you were so focused on my pronunciation uh, of his name last week to remember that i i don't know if you remember i brought him up because he had that great deployment but of course it's gone now jordan Cairo has taken blaze's place on, uh, on the line with Ryan O'Reilly and Braden Shen. And of course, Cairo has done nothing with it. So maybe that's still fluid. All this to say, I see reasons to be interested in Hoffman. I see reasons to be interested in Bozak. I see pretty much no reason to be interested in Blay. Some reason to be interested in Cairo. I'm going to turn the tables on you, though, Elon, and finish my answer with a question for you. How many of these names that we've just mentioned would you take ahead of Jaden Schwartz? who has 16 points in 30 games this season, seven points in 16 games since returning from injury, and not a lot of shots on goal either. I almost feel like Schwartz belongs with this bunch of random guys in St. Louis just not doing anything or not doing anything consistently.
2: Yeah, I guess, like, Schwartz, is you know, has the history of being productive in the past, so I would probably still have him over, like, a Bozak. Like, I think it would just, like, if I'm putting my season on the line, I'd rather have someone who's been reliable at least at one point. I'll take Mike Hoffman over, you know, uh, Schwartz for that same reason, that Hoffman has been more reliable. And also, if your league has a premium for goals, then why not go for the goals? But, yeah, it's true. It's interesting over in St. Louis. Even we talked about on the last episode, Tarasenko hasn't been as great as we thought that he would be. But... uh I don't know. Maybe also, you know, uh, just like a Justin Falk, this like Kairu situation. He's playing with Ryan O'Reilly, who just had this great game. Of course, Kairu didn't even get any points. So Yeah, there's a lot of Blues out there that are probably available to pick up and they have a good schedule. So like good luck trying to figure out which one to add because it changes all the time. I guess Bozak's the hottest right now. So maybe you just go with him a guy that I was planning to bring up as a hot streak but now I'm going to bring up as an injury is Matt Murray he was injured in yesterday's 4-2 loss to the Canucks Uh before that Murray had been on a good run and I was gonna ask you is there any chance that Matt Murray could keep this up but I guess now it doesn't matter and it was a weird situation because right, Anton Forsberg was scheduled to start the game but he was injured just before warm-ups so Murray played then he got hurt so Marcus Hogberg was there he came in stopped 18 of 20 in relief apparently Artem Anisimov was dressing as a goalie potentially in case Marcus Hogberg would have gotten hurt so that was Would have been pretty wild to see. But luckily for the Sens and for Hogberg, he's fine. And by now, I guess going into next week, if you're in a deep league and you need a goalie, uh, the Sens play Monday, Wednesday versus the Canucks. And I'd imagine Hogberg is going to get both of those games. Do you have any interest in these two games against the Canucks?
0: No, I don't. Marcus Hogberg, out of all the Ottawa goalies, is probably the one that I'm the least interested in when he plays. Matt Murray, it's so sad because he was having a really good run, as you mentioned, over four plus plus one-third of a game, so four games plus one period, Matt Murray had stopped 124 out of 130 shots. So that's, you know, just over 30 shots a night, and fewer than two goals against an fifty four save percentage for Matt Murray, which is the value that we really wanted from him coming into the season, which he provided in very brief doses. So I, it's not like I was under any illusion this particular dose was going to last so long, but it was really exciting. And then, of course, boom, he's hurt again. Good thing for him. The ink is dry on that contract he signed at the start of the year, right?
2: Yeah, the Sens just, that was a ridiculous idea. Like, he's been so injury prone. Like, it's nice to see that he's able to still be a successful goalie in the league, but this is like an Antiranta ranta situation at this point. You can't rely on this guy. So, good thing for them, I guess, that Anton Forsberg has looked pretty decent, though he's injured too now. So, right now it's Hogberg. You're saying to not worry about him. And yeah, the Canucks are surprising us, scoring a lot more goals than we were expecting, thinking that they'd come in sluggish off of this uh COVID situation. But I guess the Canucks are good. And so, yeah, if you need a goalie, obviously, you could get some saves from Hogberg. And in some leagues, it just might be nice to get those. Was two guaranteed games monday wednesday but uh yeah i wouldn't expect great results as well uh so brian we've got some more injuries to get to then a few exciting outjuries and we'll get to them in just a sec but let's take a quick break you're listening to keeping carlson
1: credit karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions and now they want to help you even more with a credit karma money spend account you can be rewarded for good money habits credit karma money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases
2: Okay, so we are back, and Brian, we've still got a lot to get to. Like I said, let's go next to Dallas, your favorite place, where last week you finally turned it around and became a huge Dallas Stars fan after being down on them all season, and they suffered an injury. John Klingberg missed Saturday's game, didn't stop the Stars from peppering Jonathan Bernier and eking out the win over the Red Wings. Hopefully, Klingberg isn't out long, but regardless, Dallas is also getting some good news, so at least it's not all bad, because according to Rick Bonus, Tyler Sagan will be ready to play at some point next Week So, Brian, what kind of expectations should we have for Segan to finish off this season? Like, last year, 1920, Segan put up a 59-point pace in the regular season, which was a lot lower than expectations. He's normally been, like, a point-per-game guy. And then he was super quiet during the playoff run. He had a couple big games right at the end versus Tampa, a two-assist game and a three-assist game. That makes his overall playoff numbers not look as bad. But he was, like, basically doing nothing for most of the playoff run. Though, I guess a lot of people just want to blame that for good reason, right? On the injury that he had that ended up keeping him out until now so brian any chance that we could be getting like this point per game tyler sagan back to end the season or should we be like be massively tempering our expectations and like does it even matter is it just like if he's available just go grab him regardless of what your answer is
0: i think you should probably go out and get tyler sagan just to see what happens because at worst maybe he's a 55 60 point player which is probably better than a lot of what you can find in your free agency pool at this point of the year And why we only say he's at least a 55-60 point player and not a 70 point player, even a point per game guy, is because, like you said, Elon, his recent results aren't great. We know his playoff run was hampered by his injury where he wasn't scoring a whole lot at all. And I think that's because his shot strength just wasn't there. But his regular season, even when he was healthy for most of it, as far as I know, was also reason to be concerned about Tyler And It's actually one of the reasons why I ended up getting down on all of Dallas, because Sagan was one example of a player who's really, 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 really good. But he was suffering from poor variance that I was convinced was no longer variance, was just a a product of playing the way that the Dallas Stars played. And Sagan was also seeing less ice time and fewer opportunities to put up points than he had in previous years. So we'll see if he can come in, get some of those opportunities and ice time back. We'll see because now he's got a new coach. I'd love for Sagan to come in and make some noise. I'm very curious to see how ready He is for full tilt action. So, you know, sometimes when a player comes back from injury, especially when it's 50 games into the season, they might need a game or two to get up to speed. We've seen Vladimir Tarasenko still not get up to speed. So don't bet on Sagan, but I think he's absolutely worth a look. And I think this also makes players who might be in your free agency worth more of a look uh, compared to before. Without Sagan, like someone like Denis Gurianov, who is playing uh, currently with his centerman is Jason Dickinson. Uh, Sagan's an upgrade there. Jamie Ben right now is the third piece on that line. So if Ben does stick there and get Sagan as a centerman, that'll help him too. But Ben also could be the one who loses a top power play role with Sagan's return. The other guys on that top unit are Rupe Hintz, Joe Pavelski, and Jason Robertson. And it's hard to imagine any of them being pulled from that top unit the way they're producing. So I think Sagan could replace Ben on the top power player. Or could you imagine, Elon, wouldn't it be so Dallas- if Sagan just goes to power play two, like they just keep their top unit intact and Sagan doesn't even get to crack it.
2: I mean, I think that's reasonable. Like if things are going well right now, why mess with it? And he's got to be eased into the lineup. You're saying it as if it's a bad thing. Like why not bring him to power play two, then see how things go. And you could always change it up a little later on. Yeah. I'm not like super, like, I'm not going to be expecting Sagan to come in and get like hat tricks. Right. So I don't know how much he helps like a Guryanov because he hasn't been playing all this time and hasn't a training camp or anything like that, but hopefully he can have somewhat of an impact.
0: How many teams in the league, Elon, you're saying that you'd be fine with Sagan on the second unit. How many teams in the NHL have a player of Sagan's caliber on their second
2: power play unit? I mean, okay. I was saying like to start, like, are you saying right away, just like throw him to the wolves? And yeah. Give him, like 25 minutes a game? Okay. I mean... Maybe, maybe the next game, maybe the second or third
0: game. I'm saying it would be very Dallas to just keep him on the second unit.
2: Well, okay. I mean, if they're bumping like a Jamie Ben or, a you know, J- robertson or hints like hints has been like a superstar right now i mean you can't bump hints or robertson so you're saying maybe jump a drop a ben who like obviously he's the yeah. obvious guy but like say don't you know, get me wrong i'm not
0: <laughs> i'm i'm not advocating for robertson or hints or pavelski to be bumped i'm advocating for jamie ben who is without a power play point in his last nine games
2: yeah so i'm not like a you know hockey expert here in terms of like how to run power plays. I know that Ben is like a net front guy and maybe there's a certain setup that's working and they'd have to shift things around. Uh, But anyway, uh, we'll let Rick bonus figure that out and we'll see what happens.
0: Adam in the chat is mentioning that with Klingberg being out, maybe that does just open up a spot naturally. For well, Tyler no, like, Sagan.
2: But well, no, in the last game you said play? that it was, yeah. you said it was Pavelski, Robertson, yeah. Hintz, Ben and Haskinen. <laughs> the, the
0: only way that would work is if they went five forwards.
2: Sure. Yeah, bump yeah. Haskinen now. I don't think that would be a smart move. Uh, there is another defenseman I just wanted to bring up, uh, who I brought up a little bit earlier on the show as a potential replacement for Morgan Riley and Jamie Oleksiak. I'm bringing him up just because our opponent next week in the Fantasy Hockey Trades Invitational, we've made it to the finals, and our opponent is Webstar, who's also a patron, and he has been really good this year. He knows exactly what he's doing, and He made the schedule knowledgeable move and added this Jamie Oleksiak character who's on a decent little run. He has two points in his last three games, uh, three shots in each of his last four games. So you'd imagine maybe he should have even gotten a little bit better luck, maybe get a goal in there. Uh, All of a sudden, Oleksiak, who's normally just been a solid source for hits, he's actually down in hits right now, but getting some points. So Brian, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday schedule, like I said, do you like Oleksiak at all? Do you think that you've seen anything in this recent run to indicate he has the potential to be more offensively inclined, or do you think this is just like a blip and he'll go back to being the same old Jamie Oleksiak that he's been for the last couple seasons?
0: Oleksiak had this nice little coming out party that started in the playoffs last season where he went from being a bottom pair guy to a top pair mainstay Uh, He had 15 minutes a night, night in, night out. Last season, since the playoffs, he's a 20-minute guy. And that's given him more opportunity to take shots on net. Alexiak has two or more shots on goal in 14 of his last 18 games, including in his last eight straight. So that's nice. Alexiak is a decent category filler, but I wouldn't get used to expecting the production to keep coming. He hasn't been any more offensive this year than usual. Like there's no new angle to his game. He just has more ice time. So in those extra five minutes, he's able to throw like another shot on net and of course be around to hopefully pick up a point. But I don't see it coming in any kind of way that we should change our expectations for Alexiak as being a really low scoring defenseman.
2: Okay, and by the way, uh, congratulations to Ben who is going to the uh, Cupful Finals because JVR just had a couple of late assists in the third period to tie the game for the Flyers against New Jersey. And now I'm going to basically need like a hat trick from Seth Jones and probably a goal from Eric Cernak. And I don't think that's going to happen. So good job, Ben. Ben and Dustin, it's going to be a very exciting Cupful Finals to see who's the ultimate champion. But okay, Brian, let's get back to our juries here. Uh, so I brought up Sagan. We've got some other big names that are maybe going to be coming back next week. Like Sagan, Philip Forsberg might return according to the Preds GM David Poyle. So that's exciting. And meanwhile, because we don't know for sure about Forsberg, one guy that's already come back is Ellie Tolvenin, who returned to the Preds lineup, got right back to his scoring ways, had a goal and an assist in his two games versus Chicago last week. Uh, Next week, Nashville goes Monday, Tuesday versus Florida to start. Tolvenin has got to be a clear ad wherever he's available, right? He's only 21% rostered on Yahoo, which I guess fine because he was injured and maybe people didn't have room on their irs like i dropped him in one league because i didn't have room for him but and now i've since been eliminated from that league, and i'm gonna blame it on the ellie tolvin and injury but anyway if i was still alive i'd be rushing to grab him for sure right like he's clearly one of the top offensive producers on this team and he the preds play monday tuesday so what else do you need
0: yeah, you should absolutely have Ellie Tolvanen, as you should have, since, I mean, we've been telling you for weeks and weeks and weeks that Ellie Tolvanen has fixed the Nashville power play. And it's true, this perpetually broken power play, Ellie Tolvanen has been the answer. And uh, I'll actually shout out someone who's been following that all along. Uh, one of my new favorite Nashville follows on Twitter is Brian Bastin. He writes for On the Forecheck, and his handle is at Brian, with a Y, B-A-S-T-I-N. So, uh, Follow him for all the important uh, Nashville updates. But yeah, uh, Eli Tolvenin absolutely should be rostered in all leagues. Elon, last week in our draft with you, Jeremy, and I, in the band that Eli Tolvenin was in, neither of us took him because he was injured, but we picked between us Guryanov, Connor Murphy, and P.K. Subban. I wonder how many of those three he will end up outscoring by the end of the season.
2: Well, definitely he's going to outscore P.K. Subban. That turned out to be a garbage pick for me because yeah. he ended up testing positive for COVID, and I'm sure he's out for the season. So that was obviously bad luck. We'll get to that at the end of the show, how uh, I had some bad luck with my picks. I also had Dylan Larkin, by the way, who is out for the season, like we've discussed. If Elon loses, it's just bad luck, everybody. Well, I mean... I, and normally that's just a fun excuse I think that if your players are out for the season right after you pick them in a league with no ads then it's kind of like what are you going to do about it but that's okay it's all just for fun anyway and yeah so Ellie tovenin go and grab him there's some other Preds by the way that have been putting up points lately that I wanted to run by you because not everyone is in a clown league where Tovenin is available so we've got the line of Luke Kunin Mikhail Granlin and Callie Yarncrock that has been very productive at least in this set of three games versus Chicago last week all put up three plus points Granlin and Yarncrock are probably the most appealing since they They've been getting top power play time with the great Ellie Tolvanen. But Kunin has been no slouch with goals in three straight games. Meanwhile, you've also got Victor Arvidsson out there, who's been cold lately with only one assist in his last five games after a solid stretch. So, Brian, how would you rank these four potentially available Nashville forwards for the rest of the season if they're available? Arvidsson and in the line of Kunin, Granlin, Yarnkroc.
0: I'm not falling for this, Elon. And Nashville is not a team that scores a lot of goals. They're 24th in the league in scoring. And their schedule next week is pretty bad. They play Florida Monday and Tuesday. And then they don't play again until Saturday when they play Dallas. So they're playing two teams who have very good defenses and decent goalies, and they're not a high-scoring team to begin with, so I'm not really interested in Luke Kunin, Mikael Granlund, Cali Yarncroc, or even Victor Arvidson next week, but if I had to rank them, if you forced me to, I'd rank them in the reverse order I just set them. I wouldn't really change my mind based on anything that's just happened recently. I'd still go Arvidson first, then Yarncroc, Granlund, and Kunin. The only change I might make is putting Yarncroc up ahead of Arvidson, but you know all season long i've been like arvidson should should be doing better and he's had these little spurts where it's like oh yeah this is obvious you want arvidson um but none of these guys are reliable is the moral of this story
2: yeah brian i agree with you like i'm definitely not going to be expecting luke kunin to keep up getting a goal every single game though brian you know you got to be smart with this yeah they have a bad schedule overall on the week but monday tuesday that's all you need then you drop the guy for morgan riley on wednesday who you dropped to facilitate this whole thing it's obvious of course Okay, so uh, more oucheries. I'm very excited to see that the Edmonton Oilers are finally playing games again. So after this dreadful schedule over the recent history of like one game a couple weeks ago, a couple games last week, they're going to play four games next week and they've got Ryan Nugent Hopkins back in the lineup to help your Oilers players produce. Uh, he returned to the Oilers for Wednesday's game versus the Habs and scored a power play goal. And now let's look at what the lines were on Wednesday. The Oilers won the game, so let's assume they're going to stick, which had Nugent Hopkins back with that Dre and Yamamoto pair which was obviously so strong at the end of last season, and that left McDavid to play with Pouliarvey and Josh Archibald. Uh, so Pooley I guess, is the most appealing of the potential available guys. He has goals in each of his last three games. And I guess what that's what happens when you play with a Connor McDavid, who he was like on a mission. Like he knew that fantasy managers drafted him first overall and were depending on him. And then he had only a two game week. So he was like, Autumn's oh, gonna give you three points per game just to like, you know, get you caught up, and that's exactly what he did. So your McDavid is great, which means Yesy Pouliarvi was able to get a couple of goals assisted by McDavid of course, so I imagine you're not going to disagree about Pooley but should we recommend the Yamamoto's and or the Archibald's because of who they're playing with and a good schedule regardless of how cold they've been? I guess Yamamoto has three points in his last five games, so that's not nothing, but it's not especially exciting considering he's playing with Dryside Owen, Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Uh, in a multi-category league, I may even want Archibald because he might, he has that exposure to McDavid. You know, this could change like every game, but for now if Archibald is playing with McDavid, maybe he lucks into a secondary assist and he's been getting a ton of hits so he can help you there so brian uh yamamoto archibald any interest
0: no not a whole lot of interest yamamoto has had leon dryas with him virtually every game this season and has just 20 points in 43 games to show for it it's really nice that he gets to play with nugent hopkins now too and maybe some of that chemistry from last season is about to be reignited but as we talked about that uh, many times that chemistry was totally unsustainable and unreasonable to expect uh to continue and carry over into this season. I, I have hopes that Yamamoto can still do well. And sure, if you need a streamer and he's one of the, the most intriguing options available, like sure, he could get a point, but I'm not reaching for him just because suddenly he's with dry and Nugent Hopkins. I would think dry would be enough. And then uh, for Archibald, he's probably like a Zach Cassian, Alex Chieson level guy. Uh, and Elon, I am actually going to also go back to Jesse pull who, it's crazy. We've totally flipped. You're pumping his tires for having scored in his last three games. And I'm going to throw the cold water and be like, hey, uh, he's still not doing that well, considering he's playing with Connor freaking McDavid. So I looked into this and Pugliari's IPP is down below 50%, which means uh, on all the goals scored while he's on the ice, he gets a point on fewer than 50% of them, which can mean one of two things. Uh, The first Thing it could mean is that Puljuhvi is actually not capable of contributing. Like he's not at all an integral part of the offense. It pretty much operates without him. He's just a passenger to the extreme. Like he's not even getting in on creating goals. The other possibility is Puljuhvi has just uh, not gotten a whole lot of luck in being able to cash in on points for for plays he has been involved with. And I think maybe the answer at this point is a little of column A, but mostly column B. So I would expect. Jesse Pugliarvi in a full season with Conor McDavid to have an IPP that's not around the level that we'd see from, say, a higher-end defenseman at 45%. I would expect Pugliarvi's IPP to be closer to... The 60% range, maybe even 65% range, at least for now, like it could go up from there if he's more elite, but 45% would be very curious for a forward. So anyone discounting Pugliarvi's stats, I said I was pouring cold water on him, but actually, like, guys, it's, it's okay. Pugliarvi might still be able to do more than what we've seen him do so far.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, he scored in three straight games, so obviously maybe that started to turn around. But I do think that the way the Oilers work is sometimes McDavid just decides to take the puck and do it himself because he doesn't want to pass to anyone, and he was nice, and he passed to Pugliarvi a couple times last (laughs) week. So Pugliarvi got a couple of goals. But yeah, like, this is not a normal team. Like, he has an IPP of 45% because sometimes McDavid just does it himself. And that's all, you know, maybe Tyson Barry has it. He passes it up to McDavid to get the play started, and then you sit back and watch. And that's just how it goes. Uh, Brian, so far it's been a lot of cold water here. Uh, hopefully, we'll have someone to recommend because it was like no on Nick Felino, no on Phil Pula. We weren't into no, Justin. A, I mean, <laughs> okay.
0: You want, you want to go back?
2: I'll, no, no, no. I'll, I'll move it's forward. An ish
0: <laughs> on Nick Felino, an ish on Marcus Felino, a yes on Morgan Riley, a yes. no on Phil Pula, no on Valeno, a yes on Nadalkovic. That was easy. Uh, go ahead on Justin Falk. Should I keep going?
2: No, okay. I'm just saying. Okay, we'll we'll see as we keep going. We'll Again, I keep- was all over. Yeah, sure. Sagan's probably not available for anyone though, but I'm going to get to some really like deep guys coming up soon, so we'll see how many hits we can have. I'm trying my best here. Uh, the problem is, I feel like people that are in the playoffs like already know about the obvious players, right? So I'm trying to just bring up some hot streaks. or guys in good situations. It makes sense that you're going to say no on most of them. All we need is a couple hits, and those will be the recommendations, and then we could walk home and say we made a useful show.
0: Yeah, or this is just the nature of where we're at in the season, and if the question is, can we reasonably expect these guys to keep producing? The answer is no, but might they have the best chance out of all the free agent possibilities in your league uh yeah so I think if you frame the question differently I would be like yeah for sure go for it
2: okay well I've got more for you now we're going to the Winnipeg Jets Blake Wheeler is back because we're in an outjury section here and he returned to the Jets for two games versus Toronto he had an assist and two shots in the first game back no points and no shots on Saturday so yeah Wheeler blah frustrating right so people drafted really high he hasn't had the most amazing season it's not like a terrible season anyways whatever people are obviously going to hold on to wheeler for next week uh winnipeg has that sweet monday wednesday friday schedule so you definitely want to get wheeler and any other uh winnipeg jet that brian is going to give the thumbs up for so let's see if there's any winnipeg jet that interests you that might be available uh so let's see here pierre dubois He's been doing some stuff lately. Four assists in his last six games, which isn't amazing, but maybe better than, you know, what he was doing before. Paul Stasny is super boring, as always. Three points in his last seven. He's playing with Ehlers and Dubois. Those are, like, the top six guys that seem, like, the most obvious, but I wonder if we should, like, overthink this, galaxy brain this a bit, and say, maybe you skip over like a PLD and a Stasny. Maybe the third line guys are more appealing, because you've got Andrew Kopp, who had another multi-point game on Thursday. Goal and an assist. Nothing on Saturday. But Kopp's been, you know, a lot more exciting than a Paul Stasny or Pierre-Luc Dubois all throughout the season. I know you had an interesting conversation on Discord all about Andrew Cop, which maybe you'll continue here on this show. And then also I'll throw out Mason Appleton, right? Two points on Thursday, no points, but four shots on Saturday. So would it be crazy to start recommending that if people want to Winnipeg Jet next week, even in a shallow league, you skip over your PLDs and Stasneys, you go right to Cop and Appleton?
0: No, I I'm not going that far. Cop is someone who looks like this year's Brian Rust, but as you mentioned on Discord, I gave a lot of reasons why Brian Rust did what he did last year and why Andrew Cop is doing what he's doing this year, but uh, they're not equivalent. Uh, Brian Rust had sustained great deployment and landed on the top power play. Andrew Cop has not had sustained great deployment and is largely still playing on the second unit. And pacing unsustainably for... Uh, f- like 15 power play points. Oh, sorry. Cop is actually pacing for 24 power play points on the season right now from the second unit, which is not sustainable. What Russ did last season was he got uh, more reliable deployment and uh, his numbers were actually closer to something that we could expect to carry through next season. So that's why I'm still like, I see this single game uh, outburst potential from Andrew Cop. That's lovely. But he's also, he's not shooting a lot. He's in the bottom six. He's on the second power play unit. So no, I'm not interested in him. I'm I'm even less interested in Mason Appleton, who, yeah, he's shooting. So I'll give him that because that's more than Pierre-Luc Dubois is doing. But at least Pierre-Luc Dubois is uh, on a better even strength line, uh, although not on the top power play because Paul Stasny is on the top power play. And Stasny is sort of uh, the middle ground. Like he's a little bit of Cop Appleton and Pierre-Luc Dubois, because he's not scoring points, but he is shooting a little more. So maybe Paul Stasny is the pick, just because he's on the top unit. But if he and Pierre-Luc Dubois flipped uh, on that top unit, I would go with Pierre-Luc Dubois. So as usual, it's kind of just a lottery with these Winnipeg depth forwards. We thought that we'd be able to see... Two solid lines of fantasy relevance from Winnipeg this year because of the addition of Stastny and because of the addition of Pierre-Luc Dubois. And I guess uh, I don't think losing Patrick Liney was really influenced how I felt about that. And uh, we still don't. It's a real big bummer that it's so hard to find relevance from Winnipeg, who sometimes has this great off day schedule and just only guys you're just throwing darts on to try and to try and win the lottery on a on a night that ma- that Andrew Copp actually shows up.
2: Yeah, I'm gonna say this is like just a gut feeling, which is not backed by like everything you're saying makes more sense. You generally want to go with the players who are getting better deployment. But like, I've just kind of come to realize to never rely on Paul Stasny because he always lets me down every time I add him. So it's like, I would rather have Appleton or Cop over Paul Stasny. I'm just gonna say it.
0: Yeah, I named Stasny as the best of the group, but he is someone who's given me nothing this year or last year for that matter, for someone who's had so much opportunity for so long. So I I hear you. It's hard for me. Elon, does this fly counter to what you said on the show a couple weeks ago about Riley Smith, who's had great deployment for so long and done nothing with it? And I was like, Forget it. Like, have we flipped? Because I was like, I'll take Tomas Nosek on the third line. I don't care about deployment because Riley Smith has never done anything with it this season. And you're like, oh, yeah, I'll I'll still take Riley Smith because (laughs) of that deployment.
2: Yeah, I guess you're right. And I was wrong there, right? Smith continues to do nothing. Now he's injured. So I think he did get one point. He had a great week. Yeah, so I guess maybe if I really want to dig into this, Riley Smith has been relevant more recently than Paul Stasny. Like, I think Paul Stasny let me down last year and I think the year before also. So (laughs) it's like, like Riley Smith still, I still have memories of him being useful (laughs) in fantasy from the same spot. So maybe like next year, Riley Smith will turn into the Paul Stasny if he continues to do nothing. Uh, But for now, yeah, I just have this hunch that you're going to want, if you have Cop and Stasny out there, I'm taking Cop, And like, I know you're saying, why not? Like reasons not to, but I'm taking cop there and I'm happy with it.
0: Yeah, I might also fly in the face of logic and go with Andrew Cop over Paul Stasny, too. It is a total gut call, but it seems like Cop has a better opportunity for a big night or a better likelihood for a big night somehow than Paul Stasny.
2: Okay, so uh, let's do one more set of oucheries and get back to some hot streaks. So over in New Jersey, we're obviously going a couple tiers down from the Nugent Hopkins and Wheelers. But we have Jesper Bratt and Pavel Zaka. They've both returned to the Devils and have been playing on a line with Hesherr. Uh, at even strength and then on the top power play with Shear, Hughes and Will Butcher because like we mentioned PK Subban is out with COVID and Ty Smith is also out of the lineup uh, the Devils actually played today so I have these lines that I referenced were from when I prepped yesterday they're in the shootout right now actually uh, against Philly so I can give you using frozen tools the live game lines and it's been Zaka Hesher Brat yeah just like it was before and then Jack Hughes playing with Kwokanen and Sharon Govich uh, all of that to say I don't really know what to say, right? Like, I feel like none of these guys are that interesting to me. Like, yeah, the Devils scored three goals this week, and that next week they play against Philly, so that would be a reason why you want to go over some Devils, because Philly hasn't been good defensively either. Uh, Jack Hughes is the only one who's been especially interesting, but if you do have room for Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, which are the busier days, so you might not, so definitely don't grab a yes for Brat if you don't even have room for him in your lineup, you have to bench someone else, but are you interested in a Brat or Zaka or Shear or anyone aside from Jack Hughes on this team for next Week playing against Philly?
0: They're all streams, but I would go Heeshier first, then Brad and Zaka. That line, by the way, did point together for New Jersey's third goal uh, in Sunday's game. That's tonight. The other goals were scored by other lines, bottom six, Michael McLeod with a goal from Nathan Bastion and Miles Wood, and Miles Wood with a goal from Nathan Bastion and Damon Severson. So big night for anybody with Nathan Bastion or Miles Wood on their rosters. But yeah, what you're saying about this New Jersey team is, is pretty true. It's hard to love anyone aside from Jack Hughes, who now has four or more shots in five straight games. Going into tonight, Elon, do you think he did that again? To, he did. Four shots tonight, so that's five, five of the last six. Jack Hughes has taken four or more shots in goal. Uh, I will mention that uh, maybe ahead of his year, Bratt and Zaka, and I, like this is also a gut call. I might go Sharon Govich, who uh, has been doing pretty well. No points today. But he had four points in his last five going into today, reliable for two or three shots most nights, and had five shots against Philly uh, in today's game. So I'd probably rank all of those, those guys pretty evenly behind Jack Hughes. That's Hishier, Brat, Zaka, and Sharangovich.
2: Yeah, I'll agree with you there. I don't think it's even worth discussing too much, to be honest. <laughs> there was too uh- much
0: time spent on all of them.
2: Yeah, Will Butcher, by the way, on the top power play, no points today. He's he's like a nothing, like no matter what. He's, he's, I guess, like Phil Pula, right? Like whatever deployment he gets, you still don't want to rely on him to get you any points. Uh, then in Nets, by the way, like Mackenzie Blackwood. What a terrible season, right? Like, this is terrible Uh, for a guy who we were so excited about going into the year. He had a really good run last year. Obviously, we're not going to be recommending him next week. I have no faith that he or any other Devil's goalie is going to give you good rates. I'd rather have Marcus Hogberg, to be honest, than Mackenzie Blackwood for next week. Uh, But, like, what do you think about Blackwood in the keeper context at this point? Like, has this season's disaster been enough to say that Blackwood is probably not going to be a great goalie in the future? Or should we be like, all right, this has just been a weird year new jersey's been kind of a mess and like blackwood should still be exciting and maybe in your keeper leagues now's the time to get like him for super cheap because no one thinks he's good anymore he's letting he lets in three goals every game three or more like it's very rare to get a two goal or less goals against for mackenzie blackwood this season
0: Earlier in the show talking about Nadalkovic, we were talking about goalies who were 10 points or more above their expected 5-on-5 Fenwick save percentage. Blackwood is 10 points below his expected 5-on-5 Fenwick save percentage, which is not where you want to be. That is officially a bad year. He's in the same territory as Ilya Samsonov, Miko Koskinen, and Elon, get this, I was surprised to see this name with this group, Kapokokinen. Also underperforming his expected Fenwick save percentage by a chunk. Kind of having a Dubnikian season where he looks really good because he plays for Minnesota. But under the hood, there are questions. Anyway, uh, for Mackenzie Blackwood specifically, this is definitely, like, his poor performance this season is the outlier in his career. And honestly, don't begrudge him too much for how poorly Blackwood has played based on the workload he's had to take on because New Jersey still doesn't have a backup. And also he had COVID earlier this season. So he's coming back from COVID and is playing probably too many games. Uh, so uh, yeah, I, I excuse Mackenzie Blackwood and the performance he's giving us. He's not Like you said, Elon, he's not a great shot to take on a stream. You could always try if you're desperate because he has the capacity to be a good goalie. Uh, But on the whole, I'm not that interested in Blackwood for the rest of this year. But if you're looking in a keeper context, I actually hold him in pretty decent regard still. And I'm willing to just throw this season out the window when I'm ranking him in my leagues next year.
2: Yeah, from what I heard going into the year, New Jersey has a strong prospect pool. So perhaps this could be a team like people talk about LA, right? That like in the future, they could be kind of strong and you'd hope that Blackwood could be their goalie. We'll see. He'll obviously have to do better than he did this year, though it's not as if there's any other goalie on the Devils who has done any better, like Aaron Dell, Wedgewood. They've all been terrible when they've played. So it's just been a bad team overall. Okay, so Brian, let's do some hot streaks now. Uh, we're going pretty deep, like I said. So I have a feeling you're going to say no to all of them, except maybe this first one. But I just want to mention a bunch of hot streaks. And like, you know, normally we do a segment called sustainable or fleeting, but I know that there's no point because obviously any player who's like a point per game over their last six games who's generally not rostered in fantasy, you're going to say fleeting. So it's a boring question. So how about let's change the branding of this segment, and I'm going to call it rosterable or not stirable. And you just have to say, is this someone you'd be interested in having on your roster right now, or do you think that even regardless of them being hot for the last couple of weeks, you still expect them to go back to getting, like, no points next week, and everything has just been a total aberration. So I'm gonna start with, I think, an easy one. Let's just say it. Sam Bennett, like, enough is enough on doubting Sam Bennett, right? Like, this has been an insane run for him since he got to Florida. Three goals and three assists in five games since joining Florida. Obviously, playing with Huberdo they have some chemistry. Also, Duclair is doing well. That, that line has been really strong. He had a great stat line on Saturday. One assist, six shots, four hits in the 4-3 win over Carolina on Saturday. So this is an easy one, right? Rosterable or nostrable? These plays Monday, Tuesday, we're saying rosterable, right?
0: Very, very rosterable for Sam Bennett. And I, if I wanted to be a jerk, I could be like, this just shows how great Jonathan Huberdeau is, that he can drag around an anchor like Sam Bennett and feed him points too. But I'm not going to go there. Sam Bennett has been excellent in Florida. And I feel like there's a lesson here for me. Like I, I didn't write off the possibility he'd be good in Florida, but I did take the opportunity of him being in the news and like new new and noteworthy in his trade to Florida to just crap on Sam Bennett and be like, he's bad, he's not a good player. We'll see if he can do anything in the top six. Like, my mind wasn't closed to this happening, but maybe it wasn't as open as it could have been. I, he's seeing he's seeing his last three games, 19, 21, and 22 minutes. This is a guy who, like, was, was fighting to see 10 or 11 minutes in Calgary this year and at times last year, too. So, holy cow, Sam Bennett uh, just blowing us away and putting up hits too, he's got uh, 19 hits over four games to go with his 16 shots and 19 pims. For anybody who wants, he had that big game where he had 17 penalty minutes. So way to go, Sam Bennett. I, I, I don't know what else to say aside from absolutely rosterable. Oh yeah, I want you to teach me, Elon. What's what's this teachable moment mean uh-huh. for me?
2: Well, first of all, you know who he's reminding me of right now in terms of his stats and the team he's on and playing with Hubert Doe, kind of reminding me of a uh, Vincent Trocek. I know it's a different position, but Trocek oh. on Florida was, you know, this guy that gave you hits, gave you the shots, got points every once in a while. Now he's on the top power play, just like Trocek was. So obviously it's like a Trocek light, but I feel like what Trocek was back when he was on Florida, it seems like Bennett's stepped in a little bit. Anyways, that's so I like throw a little analogy out there. Anyways, as far as the lesson, I learned something very quickly uh, when Joel Quenville became the coach, and especially this year, is at Florida's Magic. And we've seen these players that were nobodies, like Carter Verhage come over, and all the, like, and Patrick Hornfist, who wasn't a nobody, but like had seemed like he was done being productive in his career, and he, he comes to Florida, and all of a sudden he's a superstar again. So, I just think that Joel Quenville is a really cool coach, and he's like, I don't care about your past history. I'm going to give my new players a shot and see what they can do. And obviously, Bennett has stepped up. Like, Daryl Sutter didn't like Sam Bennett, and he wasn't going to give him a shot. And so his low ice time... Sure, obviously part of it has to do with Sam Bennett not being good enough, according to Daryl Sutter, to earn more, but obviously Quenville was like fresh, you know, clean slate, and he's producing.
0: Okay, yeah, so coaching and magic, I guess, is the <laughs> is the answer here. I mean, it's nice that Bennett got a fresh start, and I guess if Florida traded for him, they they wanted him, they saw something they liked. Oh, by the way, and this is not a fresh start, but while we're talking about Florida magic, Mackenzie Weger Holy cow, he made and broke countless fantasy matchups with that monstrous line on Saturday night. A goal, three assists, this is a defenseman, with seven hits and seven blocks. That's 21.75 could cut full points, which is nuts right? Like a, a good rosterable forward is like four and a half points a night. If you're really good, you get over five points a night. This is 22 rounded. 22 could cut full points on Saturday night for Mackenzie Weger, who definitely tilted a bunch of matchups with that performance. He'd been pretty quiet leading up to that. I feel like there were a ton of managers who would let him go already, which, which would suck. Like I wouldn't have blamed them. He's through the season been a good depth defense ad, but he had just stopped filling most categories for a few games until Weger went ahead and just uh, was a destroyer of worlds on Saturday nights. Just wanted to shout him out. Way to go, McKenzie!
2: Yeah, and I guess maybe that's an example of, like, sometimes a player is going to give you a good run or a good stat line, at least for one night, even if he's not getting that great deployment. Because you look at, like, Florida in that game on Saturday, Uyghur wasn't the second power play defenseman. It was Brandon Montour, who has done nothing since arriving to Florida. Just Oh, actually, scored a goal in one of the games against Tampa Bay. But aside that, he hasn't done very much. It was Mackenzie Uyghur. Florida actually has a bunch of interesting defensemen, right? There's been times this season when Gustav Forsling has been worth a look. Uh, Matt, and I added him in our Dynasty League, and I'm pretty happy to have him moving forward. I'm curious to see what contract he's going to get. Next year. Also, uh, Marcus Nudivara, Vara at times has gotten points. Like I'm not saying they're like super exciting, but Florida's just, they're a well rounded team. I'm very excited to see what they'll do in the playoffs. I would have been like more excited about them if they had Aaron Ekblad. That was obviously such a huge hit to them, but it seems like they're, you know, doing as well as you can expect considering they lost Ekblad.
0: Yeah, well, you were asking me about those Nashville guys. I'm like, Nashville doesn't score a lot and they're playing Florida twice on Monday, Tuesday. Well, Florida plays Nashville twice on Monday, Tuesday. And so maybe. You might want to stream in uh, pretty much, Elon. Honestly, I would take a lot of these defensemen over the forwards you mentioned. I don't know. Is is that nuts?
2: No, I guess. Especially if you need some hits and blocks that defensemen are generally going to give you more of.
0: Assuming the peripherals are going to help you. Yeah, I'll take those peripherals plus the potential for points on a Florida team that is quite offensive versus uh, these Nashville guys who either get a point or don't fill any categories.
2: Yeah, and so then, so if Florida plays Monday, Tuesday next week, I don't think we've heard anything about the plans for goalies, but they have three right now because Spencer Knight came in, played his first career game this week on Tuesday versus Columbus, and he was great. He stopped 33 of 34. Then Bobrovsky and then Drieger played the next couple of games. So I wonder if they're just going to now go Knight-Bob. again. Maybe they're going to just keep on uh, rotating them. So there might be another game from Spencer Knight next week. So that could be a really good spot start if you can fit him in because he seems like he's the real deal and Florida's a really good team. All right, so Brian, and let's go to the, some deep cuts here. So feel free to get your cold water bucket out. But I'm kind of interested in these guys. So Vinny Hinnestroza over on Chicago. He's like the one counterexample of Florida Magic because he was doing nothing this season when he was on Florida. But he's been since traded to Chicago. And he's been awesome. He has six points in his last four games. And on Friday, he was playing with Patrick Kane and Pugh Souter. So great deployment. He's on a good run. I don't know. Brian, Vinny Hinnestroza. anything? Yeah, Rosterable or nostrable? I forgot that's the name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, kind of rosterable.
0: I'll I'll give him a rosterable. I mean, obviously it depends on the league, but we've seen Henestrosa have success in Chicago in the past as a half point per game player who does get some play. Uh, Already in Chicago, he's doing more than he was ever given the opportunity to do in Florida. In Florida, he was lucky if he hit 10 minutes in a night. He was lucky if he was dressed in a night, but now Henestrosa is playing mid-six minutes for Chicago with occasional good line mates has seven shots over his last three games, throws in some hits here and there. So yeah, I would call that rosterable and deep enough league.
2: Yeah, and then I guess another guy on Chicago who we should mention is Brandon Hagel, the rookie. He was also on a good line playing with Kirby Dock and Alex Debrinkit, at least in the most recent game on Friday. He had a good one-goal, two-assist game versus Nashville on Wednesday. So I would probably have him below Hinnestroza, but if you want a Chicago player, those are the two that are currently in decent spots. I guess there's also Kirby Doc, who's probably still available in a lot of leagues. Would, Doc hasn't been like, that exciting. Like, would it be crazy to want Hinostroza over Doc, or would you just rank them Doc, Hinostroza, Hagel?
0: Yeah, I'd do that second part
2: okay fair enough okay then now okay this is gonna be a crazy name that you're i'm ready for you to well you would scoff if you didn't know it was already coming but cody cc is still in the league and he's on pittsburgh now i don't know if people are aware <laughs> but not only is on pittsburgh but he was on a five game point streak going into today's game where i'm assuming he didn't get a point because pittsburgh won one nothing and uh yeah it was brian dumalin the defenseman who got the one assist on the gensel goal and then crosby got the other assist uh okay so but anyways before that cc was on a great run uh he's having a much better season offensively than John Marino which is pretty shocking to me someone who definitely had too high of hopes for a John Marino so uh, obviously CeCe's also like he's been fantasy relevant in the past even when he wasn't getting points just because of all of his blocks like he was decent enough for the peripherals so Brian Cody CeCe who's now shown some offensive flair on Pittsburgh and he's generally pretty decent for peripherals is he rosterable or in a multi-cat league for next week
0: Well, you might be surprised to hear me say this, Elon, but I am going to say Cody Ceci is rosterable. He's finding comfort as this mid-pair option in Pittsburgh – which is different than the way that Ottawa tried to use him after drafting him and he started his career there. In fact, this year, Cody Cece is seeing his lowest average time on ice since his rookie year. He's seeing two minutes less on average than he did in Toronto last season and four minutes less a night on average than he saw in Ottawa when they were like, okay, well, we're just going to play Cody Cece. It was like the Eric Goodbranson method. We're just going to put him on the ice all the time, and I think things are just going to work out. Uh, It didn't, but in Pittsburgh with a decreased role – this might just be working out for Cody CC, You only mentioned what he'd done over his last five games, Cody Cece going into tonight had 11 points in his last 14 games. That's after having six points in his first 31 games. So uh, this is with also his time on ice creeping up. And remember, there is some offensive pedigree from Cody Cc When he came to Ottawa, Was with it was like this two-way uh, puck-moving uh, defenseman who could uh, chip in and get a point every so often. So maybe... Now that the rest of his workload is being managed, maybe he's in more of a spot to succeed in Pittsburgh than CeCe has ever been before, which is why I am calling him rosterable as like a fourth or fifth defensive guy. Like, I-, I wouldn't want him in one of my top three slots, uh, and I wouldn't bother to add him if I was feeling pretty good about my four core D.
2: Yeah, and Pittsburgh doesn't have an amazing schedule next week, just Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday against Boston and then Washington twice. So obviously you need to make sure that you'll actually be able to fit them in. But some, I see a lot of fantasy players who go with, like, you know, if it's a league with four D spots, they just run 3D and then have an extra forward on their bench. So if you're in that situation and then you're looking at, oh, I could actually add Cody CC and get three games or add I don't know, uh, Vinny Hinnostroza and only get one game, maybe then it becomes an easier choice for you. All right, how about, uh, oh, I guess another guy at Pittsburgh, I'll mention Teddy Bluger, five points in his last five games going into today, playing on a line with Casper Kapanen, who's outjured, and Zach Aston-Reese. This is like really deep. Uh, I don't know, not Stribble, right? Or, or do, are you into Bluger?
0: No, not Stribble. yeah. Okay. Bluger was one of the Penguins' leading scorers over the first two or three weeks of the season. I don't know if you remember when like Malkin, and I don't think, it was like Crosby, barely. And a bunch of nobodies, including Teddy Bluger, who, fun fact, his uh, full name is Theodors:
2: Theodore or what?
0: Theodorse. What is that? What? What do you mean? Like, what are you saying? Like, that's his like, name. How do you spell that? Uh, T-E-O-D-O-R-S.
2: Mm-hmm. T-O-Dorse. Theodors. All right. He, it's a, he,
0: he's from Latvia.
2: Well, beautiful name. Okay, uh, let's go to Minnesota. Nick Bonino, 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 Bonino had another big game on Saturday, a goal and a power play assist versus the Sharks. Uh, that brings him to 11 points in his last seven games playing with your boy Zach Parise at even strength, but more importantly, on the top power play with Fiala Kaprizov, Victor Raskin, Jared Spurgeon. Brian, I already brought up Luke Kunin earlier in the show as he scored goals in three straight games for Nashville. Who knew this Bonino for Kunin trade in the off season would have so much fantasy relevance at this point in the season i feel like we just shook our hands at this being like a nothing trade uh but right now how can nick Benino not be rosterable i guess one reason is minnesota doesn't play till wednesday so i'm not like rushing to grab him but if he could get him and fit him in for wednesday thursday saturday against the blues who i've mentioned aren't like a team that i'm so much expecting to be good at stopping the puck right now especially down to defensemen maybe Benino is someone you want to grab to end your week next week
0: Yeah, he is rosterable, to go back to the theme of this segment. I'm really trying to build my brand in this segment, Elon. As someone who's open to new ideas, especially after you said, I don't want any of the guys we've already talked about, uh, Vanino on that top power play has been uh, making waves and earning a lot of people Tim's points for anyone who's playing the, the Tim Hortons hockey challenge app which uh, I'm quite into. As our patrons know, we have a channel dedicated to uh, to picking and discussing our players on our Discord server. So if you want to get in over the last weeks of the season and uh, tell us how much you love Nick Benino for the coffees he's earned you, uh, keepingcarlson.com slash patron.
2: And again, this is not a paid advertisement for Tim Hortons. <laughs> like, Brian just likes this game. I just game. threw
0: it in there. Yeah. I, I, like, I actually... I like it enough to get over the fact that I hate, like, doing this, like, hell corporate thing for <laughs> this Canadian coffee chain. Like, I don't want to mention them. I don't want to give them
2: free advertising. But I got to admit, they've got me with their stupid little game. Do- correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even think you like coffee. Aren't you always, like, tired? And then, like, why don't you drink coffee? And then you're like, I don't drink coffee?
0: I, dr- I drink coffee a little. But <laughs> I, don't, I don't often drink their coffee.
2: You drink coffee when Nick Benino scores a lot of points, and he earns you free coffee from Tim Hortons. I'm actually just hoarding
0: <laughs> the rewards points that I can use. I, I don't know if I ever have the intent to use them, but I like seeing my number go up.
2: Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, let's, let's probably finish off this segment here. Uh, I could mention, like, Alex Killor, and he's got five points his last five games after going pointless in nine. Uh, like... Tampa's weird with all of these injuries. Uh, Stamkos probably still out next week because he doesn't come off the LTIR until May 5th. Uh, but Tampa, like I mentioned with Detroit, the, on that final day of the season, it's only going to be, well, for people whose season's end next week, uh, it's going to be Tampa versus Detroit in the final game. So you might be wanting to look at an Alex Killorn playing with Taijo and Sorelli, like any of these guys, right? And then the top line has been point with Palat and Barre Boulet. So, and also Killorn has been on the top power play recently. So uh, I don't know, just want to throw him out there. He's probably rosterable. Right? right? Just because you could get him on that Sunday at the very least.
0: I guess I would prefer Barry Boulay over him, who by the way, has his what? first career goal.
2: I'm surprised, right. but okay, sure.
0: Well, I mean, Kalorn, his time on ice is still like still mid six deployment. And you said he's bumped up to play with Tyler Johnson, and Anthony Sorelli, which is good, but it's not awesome. Neither of those guys have been reliable producers this year. Uh, and you mentioned that Kalon has seen some time on the top power play, which is great. But so he is has Barry Boulay. yeah, yeah. So is Barry Boulay, and Kalon has had five games there and hasn't made a lot of noise. Just one power play point. Although one power play point every five games is actually that's that's fine. Like that's yeah. decent power play production. But it's not like it's not like they're just coming in waves.
2: Can't you say he's due? Shouldn't we just say that for the reason that he has No, I'm just kidding. Okay, yeah, I mean, but yeah, so someone to keep on your radar if you are looking at that last Sunday game. Uh, how about uh, one more player who I just want to mention, I brought up Spencer Knight before playing his first career game. Another one was ukapeka Lukanen over on Buffalo, who played on Friday versus Boston, and he actually pulled out the win for Buffalo over Boston. He stopped 36 of the 40 shots against him in that 6-4 to win. Uh, Tokarski played for Buffalo today, and as we've discussed, did not do too well against Mika Zibanejad and the Rangers which makes me wonder if next week Buffalo plays against the Rangers again on Tuesday and I wonder if they try giving Uka Pekka another start so Brian you know very short term obviously long term I think we're generally excited about Uka Pekka Luke, and he's supposed to be a good goalie but like let's say you need a goalie for next Tuesday are you gonna risk it and play Uka Pekka versus the Rangers after what the Rangers did to Buffalo today
0: who are my other choices, right? Like, this is just, this is not, will I play him? Am I, if I'm desperate for a start, will I go for it? Sure. But yeah. Okay, let's not- say
2: this. Okay, let me make it an easier question for you. Then. Yeah. How about it's your first goalie game of the week. You're in a categories league with wins, save percentage and goals against average. And it's like, you could probably just not play him and hit your minimum goalie starts with your other goalies, or you can play Uka Pekka and go for a good game.
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, obviously there's a lot of, there's a lot of elements here. I would look at my opponent's team, like look at my goalies, look at their goalies, see who's likely to win the week. I think if I'm playing conservative, no, I would not play Lucanen. Like this is a, hopefully it's not too much of a cop-out answer. However, if like I just need to throw darts for my week in goalie stats and try and grab one, yeah, Sure, why not? If I feel like my chances of winning the goalie categories are already, say, 40% or lower, I'll toss him in. Uh, He hasn't been great even in the AHL games he's played this year in 888 and 14 games played with Rochester, although we've talked before about... the nature of AHL numbers and how you shouldn't get too invested in them, because often that's where a goalie is fine-tuning their game and working on things and trying different stuff. So uh, it's not to say he's been bad in the AHL, but it is to say that Uka has not had uh, really much success as a pro in, like, various parts of three seasons playing as a pro.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think I'm with you that he would be someone that you take a swing on, but I wouldn't be expecting another win from him against the Rangers. But I guess you never know. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what Buffalo does, right? Allmark is an unrestricted free agent. I don't know if people are aware. To me, Allmark still feels kind of like a new goalie in the league. But no, he's a UFA. He could go anywhere next year, uh, assuming he's healthy. Like, hopefully he'll be fine because he's been so good in the games he's played. He just seems to always get injured. Another Ranta candidate. But yeah, I wonder if Buffalo's going to have to make a big push to sign him or if maybe they're going to just switch over to Ukapeka and some other free agent that they signed so that'll be fun to follow in the summer all right so brian let's end the show today by looking back on our draft from last week and just like maybe we could each go through our teams go through jeremy's team and see like who were like the big hits and the big misses of the draft so up to you uh, you could go first or i could go first to go through my team or you could go through your team
0: uh well i'm gonna throw to you but if anybody wants to check out our teams we have a, a hyperlink to it right
2: I believe so, com slash draft. We'll link to this also in the show notes, so you can find it all there. But, uh, okay, so how about, you said you'll go first? No, I said you'll go first. Okay, I'll go first. Alright, so first of all, I am losing right now so straight up I've got only 290 points Brian you're in the lead right now with 316 Jeremy has 303 I do have more fantasy points per game than you but hey uh, we'll see obviously I needed to uh, plan the schedule right I did I will say that I drafted Connor McDavid who's got four games to go only gave me the two anyways this is excuses excuses Uh, let's go through my team super quickly so Colin Blackwell seems like he's been a miss Kevin Fiala was good Uh, like I mentioned Larkin is injured Subban is injured all also, Thomas Tatar is injured. This is a guy we didn't bring up this week, but the Habs who've already had trouble scoring goals might be without Tatar for a little bit. I'll say, Brian, if I'm going to highlight one player who I think has been a nice hit for me and that people should look at if he's still somehow available. I remember you and Jeremy were sort of like, well, you were actually a little bit like, skeptical of this pick. Jeremy was kind of behind me. Uh, Alex Goligoski continues to produce. He had two assists for Arizona in that game against LA yesterday. He's now got four points in his last four games, or no, six points in his last six games. You keep going back, you keep seeing points for Alex Goligoski. So, you know, we've talked about a lot of rosterable quote-unquote players this week but I think if Goligoski's out there he's probably better than all the defensemen that we've brought up so he's really good but overall uh, not looking good for me with all of these injuries Uh, Matt Dumba has been a big nothing over on Minnesota I thought that maybe he'd be similar to Spurgeon who you took but no uh, Spurgeon is definitely the better option there but if I lose I'm just going to blame it on Larkin Tatar and Subban all being out for the season
0: Okay, so was this just an opportunity? Like, do we not even really need to go into the rosters? Is this just a chance for you to explain why you're not going to win this pool?
2: No, I just, well, I don't know if there's any interesting, I want, uh, this was my opportunity to tell people that Alex Goligosky is really good, <laughs> oh, and okay. people should go grab him, so I don't know if there's like a specific player in your team that you're like regretting having added, I said Colin Blackwell was a miss, which I don't get, and then Dave actually talked about him on the stream scheme this week, which I would definitely recommend checking out, and he also was like, what's with this guy? He like is playing with Panera and he's doing well, then we talk about him, and then all of a sudden he doesn't do well anymore, even though he's still playing with Panera. Today, the Rangers scored six goals against the Buffalo Sabres, Blackwell's, still playing on that Panarin line and yet no points. So I don't know. He's like Jesse Pugliarvi. I guess Pugliarvi is actually getting points recently, (laughs) but yeah, he's worse. He's the poor man's Jesse Pugliarvi, which is not pretty poor. Yeah. It's not great.
0: (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I guess I'm looking at my roster. Kevin LeBanc continues to do nothing despite decent deployment too. So he's my Colin Blackwell, except with better pedigree and previous actual results in his career. So uh, Kevin LeBanc continues to let me down. I don't know. I'm in first Elon, so I'm pretty happy with all my guys, I definitely would have bet money that Nikita Gusev playing with Barkov was going to do better than Sam Bennett or even Anthony Duclair playing with Jonathan Huberdeau, and uh, that hasn't true. Jeremy, by the way, has Barkov and Duclair, so he's got the, the the top two Panthers lines covered, and that's helping him stay ahead of you and in second place and, and still have hope of chasing me. But yeah, I think uh, looking through everybody's picks, I'm not seeing any big surprises. I guess Mike Riley has managed to stay relevant, even though Matt Grislyk did come back almost right away after we made the draft, and Jeremy was disappointed and ended up hoping that Grizzlick would stay out and Mike Riley would get points. Grizzlick came back, but Mike Riley has still been pretty good. A couple shots a game, a couple assists, a little hitting, a little blocking, so not too shabby.
2: By the way, as Shams is saying in the chat that Blackwell got hurt late in the game. So if anyone was still holding out hope for Blackwell, maybe that could be the final straw. Brian, I'll say a couple strong picks on your team that i am be curious if you were expecting it, them to go as well as they did. Sam Reinhardt had himself a huge week, right? He had a hat-trick versus the Bruins in that 6-4 win where Uka Pekka got his first career win, and then another one goal, one assist today in the loss to the Rangers. So Sam Reinhardt definitely has come through for you. And then also Chandler Stevenson. Man, this guy has changed his whole narrative. Like Going into next season, I wonder how high people are going to be drafting this guy because, yeah... He's in like the same like We were talking about other players with good deployment that aren't doing anything whatever. Like Chandler Stevenson is in the, this great deployment with Stone and Patrick. I feel like I've said this a bunch of times, I'm just repeating myself. But like this year he's finally doing something with it. He had a huge two goal, one assist game versus Anaheim. And Vegas has a solid schedule next week. They go Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. So you don't have to I guess if you know you're in a Shadow League Stevenson somehow still available, maybe you could try to wait. But uh he's just like been money lately, found money for anyone who's picked him up out of free agency because he had that cold streak and right now i would definitely be happy to have him so good pick on you there brian and also yeah you grabbed uh rasmus Dalin. yeah i was gonna were, mention
0: yeah. he he continues having a like a small renaissance over the last week three points in his last four games still as i said last week still not shooting fewer than two shots per game he actually has as many hits as he has shots over the last week for Dalin. and i wish that weren't true i wish he was shooting more often but i will take the points and run so it's just nice to see Darlene on the score sheet like every other night for the last little while after spending most of the season uh, pretty much banished from it
2: I guess another reason I could point out for why I'm losing, and this is totally my fault, but uh, Dustin Tokarski hit me with a negative two almost tonight, and Jake Ettinger had that terrible game where he came in after Hudoven got pulled against Detroit of all teams and dropped a negative two point five on me. So definitely have not been getting. I've been getting. I should just pick no goalies. I should have just picked goalies not even in the league, and I would be doing better than I'd be doing now with the goalie pick. So that's what you get. That's what you get with goalies. I guess I should have uh, used one of a higher percent rostered band to grab my goalies from. Okay, so Brian, this has been fun chatting some fantasy with you for a lot of people this is gonna be the last show before the end of their fantasy season but regardless we're still gonna be back next week with more content actually i believe we've got some fun stuff planned we've got a potential we always,
0: co- we, we always wait till the very end of the episode to drop the most exciting news like we have our cuban carlson ultimate playoff pool gearing oh, up
2: man we got so much to talk we about we should have okay. mentioned
0: this an hour and a half ago why do we well, always do this
2: you know so less competition for the people who made it all the way to the end don't worry about it we're not making a lot of money off of this brian so fewer people sign up for the playoff pool uh that's just it'll be a more fun cozy group but for you diehards who made it to the end of the show yeah get in on this so by the way so a couple announcements First of all, what I was about to say is we might next week be dropping a show of a cupful Tier 1 reunion show, Survivor style, where John Newhold will be hosting. We'll be getting fresh reactions, I guess, from Ben or Dustin, who will be the brand new winner. And then also we'll try to get as many of the other Tier 1 participants as possible to come in, and John will ask them some questions about how the season went. So that should be a lot of fun. That'll be like a bonus episode, I think. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, the big announcements. Like you said, first of all, I guess to lead into the playoff pool, we'll say that this is the moment now where if you're a patron of Keeping Carlson, feel free to decrease your pledge amount and still you're going to get all of our perks. Brian, actually, we need to remember to do this tonight. Make it to do that. We need to update our <laughs> patrons so that people don't get locked out of Discord when they do uh, decrease. But Oh, yeah.
0: gosh, yeah. Hopefully we do that without issue. I also want to do the flip side, which is that if you're not a patron of Keeping Carlson, it's just a buck a month. So that, that would be the, the proactive choice you could make instead. Well, I guess they're both proactive choices, but they're two sides of the same coin. $1 patronage. Now that we're out of pretty much the fantasy playoffs, the fantasy season is just about done. It's wound down and you can get all the perks that we normally offer our patrons, including participation on our discord server and uh, access to show notes and uh, the bonus monthly Patreon cast episode. And you can join our amazing, like the brilliant uh, keeping Carlson ultimate playoff pool format that Ben Burnett and you and like that we all sort of brainstormed last season, but Ben gets uh, top billing on credits for it by uh, by just joining us for a buck a month.
2: Yeah, it's going to be a really fun playoff. Well, I mentioned it last week really quickly. Uh, unlimited people can sign up and there's going to be drafts. We're going to be doing slow drafts, which everyone loves drafting, right? And you're only going to be drafting for the first round of the playoffs. And then all you have to do is rank high enough to not get eliminated in that first round in your league. And then we'll just reshuffle the deck and you'll just keep drafting potentially if you keep surviving all the way till the end where there'll be one ultimate winner. We'll have one final round of drafts for the final round of the playoffs. So yeah, that's going to be a lot of fun. And so if you're a patron... Just pay attention to your email, right? Because we're going to be sending a notification to all patrons very soon of how to sign up for the playoff pool. And again, you could just uh, decrease your patronage or sign up for any amount, a buck a month, and we'll give you everything we can to try to keep you with us for the summer. We've got a lot of stuff uh, planned for the summer, right? So Brian and I aren't taking time off, even though the fantasy season is coming to the end. We are focused on keeping you sharp and ready to be good at fantasy all season long. Uh, But with that, Brian, I guess we're ready to cue that outro music. And why don't you go ahead and read us the credits.
0: All right. This episode of the Kevin Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast was presented by Dauber Hockey and powered by our patrons. Logo art by brandonweave.com. Outro music from Pat Roach. This episode was researched with help from Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospects, Natural Stat Trick, Evolving Hockey, Cap Friendly, org, Hockey Reference, Viz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, NBC Sports, Edge, and Yahoo! Oh, and Tracks.
2: Of course sure yeah great job as always Brian and thanks so much to all those resources that helped you prep the show thanks everyone for listening I didn't mention you can follow us on Twitter at keeping Carlson we'd love a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. but with that Brian I'm looking forward to talking to you next week oh also by the way a couple more short shifts I think it's gonna be the season finale of short shifts coming this Thursday so yeah the the stuff keeps coming we hope people will like it and I'm looking forward to all of it
0: that reminds me Elon sorry to make you loop the outro music again but uh, for the first time ever we have a twitch channel where okay. i streamed i streamed some friday night uh, play from the keeping carlson patron e-a-s-h-l team it's over at twitch.tv slash keeping carlson uh, there's like no schedule or anything it's kind of haphazard but if you want to watch us play you can like and subscribe over at twitch.tv slash keeping carlson
2: why don't you throw that in the show notes because i don't know if people are gonna remember that but yeah you'll find all the links to all the stuff we're talking about in the show notes including the twitch where you can watch brian play shell with the patrons i definitely need to check that out myself okay so i'm gonna say goodbye so brian uh uh, it was great talking to you yeah and remember uh, our patron group and discord server
0: and playoff pool and fantasy hockey are all for everyone